Hey everybody, well this is our very first sermon online and uh, hopefully you've been enjoying the service so far. This is still church and this is new for all of us. It's a whole new world and um, so hopefully you're with us. We're all in this together, aren't we? We're going to continue with our series on John, which has been an amazing series so far. And we've been looking at the Passion Week, the lead up, the week before Jesus gives up his own life on the cross and rises from the dead. And we have been looking at some events, some conversations um, in the lead up to his death. And this week we are landing on John 17, which is famously known as the farewell prayer. So what I'm going to do is read the whole prayer to you out of John 17. It is quite long, so it may be best if you read along with me. That would be really cool in your own privacy. Um, so here we go. And then I'm going to share a few thoughts with you. Not too long, but we'll get into it in just a moment. Let's read together. John 17 verse 1 says this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I prayed for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name and the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but rather you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that they 
all may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This prayer is so rich and we are not going to be able to get through, you know, all of the richness of this prayer in just a few short moments. Um, this prayer has been referred to as the prayer of prayers. It has also been referred to as the holy of holies. In fact, some have even suggested that this chapter, John 17, is the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. Why? Because we seem to eavesdrop on a conversation between Jesus and his Father. It is an amazing glimpse into how Jesus communed with his Father. Hate is a strong word, I'm sure you would all agree. But I think it quite adequately describes the way I feel about goodbyes. I hate goodbyes. I'm not a goodbye guy. I don't like them. I don't do well with them. Um, I'm not a fan. In fact, just um, this last week or so, I had the privilege of being in Cape Town, South Africa. I'm half South African. If you didn't know, my mum grew up there and um, I have a strong connection to the place. Some family are still there. And so um, I spent some time out there seeing friends and family and um, going to some cool places as well. Um, however, yesterday I had to say goodbye to the beautiful beaches, the gorgeous sunsets and the amazing people and get on a plane to come back to London lockdown. But it's good that I'm back. It's great. Anyway, I didn't enjoy saying goodbye to the friends and the family that I have there in Cape Town. It wasn't a nice moment. And upon reflection of goodbyes, I've noticed that people tend not to mince their words. Uh, people tend to say what they mean and mean what they say when pressed for a goodbye. And this is such a moment. This is the, this is the scene and the setting for which we find this prayer. In John 13, Jesus has found a, a space, an upper room, where he and his disciples are sharing a meal together, which is largely known as the Last Supper, Jesus' final night 
um, on planet Earth uh, before being crucified. Jesus is going to be arrested this night. And from John 13 to John 16, we see this incredible conversation, or rather a monologue, almost a sermon of Jesus downloading all of the most important things to his disciples on this last night and climactically concludes with this farewell prayer, this parting prayer, the Holy of Holies, the prayer of prayers. And this prayer gives us insight into his purpose, his mission, his final instructions, and some encouragement for his disciples. Now, we're not going to go through this prayer and exegete all the the bits and pieces, the nuts and bolts of it, because as I said, it is so rich, so dense. It would take us an entire series to to pick apart this prayer because it's really so amazing, as you can see for yourself as you as you read through it. What I am going to do is just draw a couple of really thematic points out of this amazing, rich prayer that can hopefully inspire us for the day in the coming week. So firstly, um, I've noticed that, that Jesus himself acknowledges his own need for prayer. And I think this is an important point. Jesus himself prayed. Think about this for a moment. Jesus was God incarnate. He was God in flesh and bone, uh, sinews and ligaments, blood. and he, he was God in flesh. All power and all authority was given to Jesus. Yet he himself demonstrates his own need. He recognizes, he acknowledges his own need for prayer. Now, the gospel writers often refer to the frequent routine of Jesus' prayer life. However, we really get a glimpse into how Jesus communed with God, how he prayed. And it's here in John 17 that we capture such a glimpse into his prayer life. Now, if the Son of God, all-powerful, all-authority, God in flesh, recognized the need for prayer, then we, weak, frail, fragile and sinful as we are, too need to recognize our own need for prayer. Prayer is our direct line to God. And if there ever was a time to pray, then now is the time. We are living in unprecedented times And the world needs prayer. People need prayer. We ourselves need prayer. And prayer should not be our last resort, but our first response. And when we pray, we discover two things. Firstly, we find that prayer draws us close to God. In the opening sentences of this prayer, Jesus says this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He opens with that and he closes 
with, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in me. He starts with knowing God and he concludes with knowing God. To know means to to see, to hear, to experience and to understand reciprocally so, to be known. And in this text, Jesus uses the Greek word gnoskin. It means to, to know experientially, to know from seeing, hearing, observing, coming into contact with. And interestingly enough, this, this word gnoskin was also a Jewish idiom to describe intimacy between a man and a woman, which is to imply that God can be intimately known by you and me. And according to Jesus, this is the height of the human experience. He says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the true God, and that they know Jesus Christ. Paul would later write, go on to write in in 2 Corinthians 13, I think it is, um, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You can know God intimately. I can know God intimately. And it's through prayer that we come to know God in an intimate way. James puts it like this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, sometimes in our Christian walk, we can sense that God is so close to us and so intimate and so real and so near and dear. And it's like it's like God... God comes after us. You know, the, the writer in Psalm 23, David, says it like this. Your, your love and your mercy, they pursue me all the days of my life. And it's so true that God pursues us and he comes after us and we can never get away from his love. And it, it chases after us all the days of our lives. But there are also times in our Christian walk where we need to dig, where we need to press in, where we need to lean in. And, and this can happen through the habit of prayer. There is something about prayer which which requires us to press in, to lean in. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying and he and he was he was so intense in his prayer that he began to sweat droplets of blood. And there is an exercise in prayer. There is there is something about pressing in and leaning into prayer. And um, I want to encourage us all to be leaning in to prayer and it's through prayer that we come to know God on a much deeper level. Secondly, prayer draws us close to one another. Here's what Jesus has to say in his prayer about this. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one as we are one. He goes on, to pray for you and me even 2,000 years ago by saying, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for all of those who will believe in me through their message, that they may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one 
as we are in one. There is a, there is a real theme of unity and oneness around Jesus' prayer here. And it's in a time of crisis like this that the church is called to be everything that it is called to be. And we are called to be in unity and not division. We are called to a oneness. We are called to love one another. We are called to pray for one another. We are called to help one another. And prayer inspires us. It, it, it draws us close to one another. And I guess I want to close on this. I want to encourage us all to be a praying people through this challenging time. Because prayer ultimately draws us to God, draws us into deeper relationship and deeper connection with God. And it also draws us into deeper relationship and connection with one another. I want to encourage us as a church community to be praying for one another, to be praying about how we can help one another, how we can best be of service to one another in this challenging time.